the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. So many great long form stories about a wild Game Four World Series finish where the Rays tied it up two to two in the most improbable fashion possible. Errors, base running, bloop hits. A player they just activated to basically 48 hours ago. Uh, it's everything that says Tampa Bay Rays baseball in a nutshell. And The Athletic has it all covered, of course, this morning. Visit theathletic.com slash spotrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for 40% off your first year subscription. Happy Sunday. My name is Mike Gennetti. It is week seven of the NFL. Wild finishes to start this Sunday. Wild. I mean, Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Boy, I'd love to see that again in the postseason. No question about that. Um, Kansas City appears to be exactly who we think they are. And the Patriots are sliding backwards, which transitions me nicely into a hopefully somewhat brief but loaded NFL trade candidate podcast episode. I've got about 27-ish players that I've made note of on SpyTrack.com. It's on the homepage today. I took some time this morning to really kind of break down who are the real names. And, uh, of course, there's some <laughs> some names there, some clickbait names, I guess you could call it. But, look, those those players are being rumored. Whether or not that comes to fruition remains to be seen. But um, I, I've got a decent list here. And, yes, I've collected, you know, some of the rumor mills to get these names. And some of it I I, I really took the work and looked at contract situations and cap situations for next year with a bunch of these teams. You know, generally speaking, these are your worst, the worst teams in the league. That's just how it's going to be, buyers versus sellers. Sometimes you're going to have good teams sell some pieces. I've got a couple of those names here. And especially this year where the cap is certainly going to drop next year, all teams have to be thinking about shedding something. And whether that's, you know, an outright release of a player to, to remove some cash this year that rolls in the next year or – you know, let's get a seventh round pick for a player we don't really need anymore and just get the cap off of our books for 2021. So that's a, it's a combination of all of that. Like I said, I've got about 27 players. Um, 27 players are not getting traded in the next week, unfortunately. So um, we'll see. You know, every time I write something, I always like to say this is, you know, certain to be 100% completely wrong. But there's some data behind this. There's some research behind this. So some of these names I do think we will see move. And, you know, it's recency bias with a lot of this. I mean, what have they done for me lately? So you're going to have a couple of these names that I'm going to mention that had pretty nice week seven performances. You know, David Njoku finally found the end zone for Cleveland. I don't think that means he sticks around in Cleveland. You know, Austin Hooper was a big signing. Odell Beckham, though, is injured. So they're a weapon down, possibly too. Austin Hooper also out today. So you know, does that change things? Obviously, injuries are a huge part of this. And right off the top, I want to start there because there's a name that's been floating around, and we certainly floated it around a couple of weeks back as maybe the most prominent player who would be traded this deadline, and that's Zach Ertz for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's now in the IR, and, you know, even in this weird 2020 COVID year where players can come off the IR in a three-week process, because of the timing of when they placed him on the IR and the type of IR designation they gave him, he will not be eligible. He will not be off that IR uh, in time for that November 3rd trade deadline. So he's off the list. He's not a tradable entity right now in terms of Philadelphia. And we'll see what happens this after 2020. I would imagine there'd be some noise there for sure. But 
um, they're going to stick it out. And oh, by the way, <laughs> you know, with Dallas getting their butts kicked today by Washington, Philly's got the uh, the keys to that NFC East, in my opinion. You know, they're only going to get healthier over the next two, three weeks. So they should have the driver's seat. They should be uh, in line to win that division, sneak into the postseason, host a game in the postseason, and then who knows, right? So I don't think they're going to be too big of a seller as it is. Zach Ertz may not have moved anyway because of the situation from a, from a divisional standpoint. Um, let's get going here. The, the piece I have goes alphabetical by team first name. So that's I didn't rank this by likelihood of going or, you know, clickbait, like I mentioned. Of course, though, that means Julio Jones is number one on this list. All the reports say, and, and by reports, I mean NFL Network people, people around the Atlanta Falcons right now say Julio's going nowhere. He just put up a monster game in a loss to Detroit, a last-second loss, literally a last-second loss. Matthew Stafford beat him at the end. Um, so this Atlanta team is continuing to slide backwards, and they're expensive. They they went kind of all in again this year on the offensive side of the ball in terms of a couple of free agent signings. They did shed defensive contracts, so they were starting to rip the Band-Aid off. At some point, they're going to have to go big, whether that's moving on from Matt Ryan after the season, whether that's trading Julio Jones now. I've got two names for the Falcons I want to identify right now, and I, there's probably three or four out there that are being floated around. But the two are Julio. And Alex Mack, the longtime center, super reliable, super consistent. I just think he can help a contender win. You know, whether that's Seattle, whether that's Buffalo, teams that need some help there. Philadelphia needs every position on the offensive line at this point. So if they're going to be a playoff team because of default in that NFC East, you know, does Chicago need an upgrade? Um, you know, the list goes on and on. I know since I know San Francisco had an issue on their offensive line a couple of weeks. And uh, you know, are they in position after they uh, roll over New England today, it appears. But we'll see. I, I do think Alex Mack may be the most, you know, warranted, wanted player from the Atlanta Falcons, this trade deadline, Julio Jones notwithstanding. I also think because of the one-year deal, because he has looked good, you know, because he's not expensive, he's not on a Le'Veon Bell contract, does Todd Gurley get a look from some teams? Todd Gurley's played well. He's catching the ball. He's been a three-down back. He's kind of holding his own. And, yes, we're halfway through, and, and we know what happens with that knee. But does a contender look at him? Does a, does a team like Seattle look at him and say, hey, he can make us better right now? San Francisco's banged up at the running back position. Does he make them better right now? You know, the Rams, <laughs> believe it or not, are banged up. Cam Akers, you know, is going to slow play it back into it. Darrell Henderson's look great. You know, there's a there's a world where that exists. Pittsburgh, I think, could use an extra running back, even though Benny Snell and James Conner appear to be rounding into form a little bit. But the point is there's teams who need running backs. I've got a couple of running backs here. I didn't put Gurley on this list, but I want to mention him because he had another solid performance today in a loss. And those things don't go unnoticed. So if he's if teams think he's okay... And the role that Atlanta's using in him can translate to a role that uh, on their own team. Keep an eye out for uh, a Todd Gurley move because he's being wasted right now on a good on a you know a pretty bad Falcons team. Julio, uh, you know the numbers are all there. You can read it on SpotTrack.com right now. I've tweeted it out a couple of times now. It's real. I mean, it, the dead cap would be real. That's for darn sure. It's uh, you know eleven and change this year, over twenty three million of dead cap next year just to trade him. You know, that's just restructure slash signing bonus dead cap is what that is. So, um, you know, it'd be a give up move by the Falcons. But what can you get back for him? 
You know, what can you get back for Julio Jones right now at age 31? You know, is there a first in there? Are there two seconds in there? What is it? And does it make Atlanta better in the next three years? And I think it does. You know, I think it does. Julio's been outstanding. A couple of injuries to talk about, you know, in terms of the resume and the red flags. But they've also got Hayden Hurst and Calvin Ridley and a couple of youngsters who've shown some good, some good flashes here while Julio's been injured. So it just seems like it's time. And he can absolutely make one of these teams we're talking about, San Francisco, New Orleans, Chicago, better, immediately better. You know, legitimate teams in the in the postseason runs right now, he can make them better. So who's going to give up the package of picks it's going to take to at least get Atlanta peaked in terms of interest? Because basically they're saying there's no interest in moving him right now. But he's on this list because I do think contractually speaking and from a team-building standpoint for Atlanta, it is time. So we'll uh, we'll keep us, you know, a bit of an eye on that until <laughs> the noise really starts to ramp up. Let's flip to Buffalo. I, I kind of glossed over Baltimore. I just think probably they've done their damage. I mean, bringing in Calais Campbell in the offseason, shoring that up with Yannick Ngakwe now a couple of days ago, that defense is filthy. The running game really hasn't been there, but this feels Tennessee-ish where Derrick Henry was kind of non-existence for the Tennessee team last year for about eight weeks. And then either the offensive scheme turned to the rushing game or he just woke up. It just became time to run the football in Tennessee. I have a feeling that's exactly what's going to happen in Baltimore. And when Mark Ingram gets healthy and the kid, J.K. Dobbins, find, finally finds some footing and gets, gets a few more opportunities, I think they're going to take so much pressure off Lamar Jackson in that offense that things are really going to start to roll. That's a dangerous team on both sides of the ball right now. And they've done their damage on the defensive side, you know, getting over the fact that they had to release Earl Thomas barely a blip on the radar outside of that Kansas City game. So uh, going to gloss right over them in terms of the remaining trade deadline for Baltimore. But Buffalo I do have here. Buffalo had a, you know, they kind of eked out a win against the Jets here and, and that Greg Williams system that just knows that Buffalo team so well. Uh, you know, Buffalo got by them. They're 5-2 and two now in the driver's seat in the AFC East, especially now with New England getting spanked. Um, and who knows, maybe I'm, you know, as I'm recording this, New England is coming back, but probably not. It looks like Cam is honestly either not healthy or just kind of in the middle of a bad phase right now I wouldn't be surprised if he hits the bench here in the next few plays but uh, Buffalo's in the driver's seat in the AFC East they're kind of cruising now at this point could have a three-game lead but they're up against the cap a little bit next year in terms of where we're projecting it to be they do have miles to feed if they're going to keep Josh Allen it's probably time to talk about that next offseason Matt Milano is going to need some some money to stick around and we saw how valuable he was with the two the two weeks he missed and the two losses for the Bills at this point um, so that's just two examples at this point. If you're going to restructure Stefan Diggs, if you think he's a, a three, four year WR one for you, for him, uh, you got to give him probably a little bit of a pay bump. So the player I'm identifying is the same player I identified in the off season who I thought they were going to outright release and clear a, a significant amount of cap. Then it's Trent Murphy, who's basically been, I don't want to say benched or, you know, healthy scratched, but it just seems like something has has pushed him out of favor, whether it's better play from the, you know, the rest of the D linemen, which I'm laughing because they've been run all over here in the past two weeks. Um, something's off. And are they just trying to keep him healthy so that they can move on from him? Possibly. And they're taking, you know, they're fielding calls for him right now behind the scenes. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. He, uh, he holds 3.6 million left. That's what Buffalo would save right now. You know, they could have saved over almost $9 million in the offseason to move on from, but I understand them keeping him from depth in a locker room situation. Um, but you clear the $3.5 right now is what you do. 
And if you can trade him this week, you know, up leading up to it, it's actually a little bit more than that. So um, you do it. You, you got to clear that space. You got to give yourself as much chance as possible next year to keep as, keep as much of this core as possible in tech because obviously something's working. They're heading in the right direction here in Buffalo. So uh, that's the name I'd identify right now. There's probably a few others smaller pieces that they can move on from. And, uh, you know, like I said, that's one of the examples of good teams, playoff teams, but still on this list as a seller because they could just stand to save some money at this point. Carolina, tough loss today. Um, DJ Moore is back. No question he's back. They need to address the tight end position. And over the, I've got tight ends all over this list. So, you know, if Carolina doesn't want to do that out of the draft, if they want to focus on their defense in the draft, which I would highly recommend they do, <laughs> Um, they can do a player-for-player player swap here. I've got Curtis Samuel on this list. I had him on the trade list in the offseason. I got kind of laughed at on Twitter for that, you know, shocking. But I do think he's the odd man out eventually. And in a lot of these play sets, it seems that he is because of the the play of of Robbie Anderson and, Curtis, and uh, DJ Moore, of course. So I think there's value here. And whether it's player-for-player player or player-for-pick, I do think they've got to dangle Curtis Samuel out there and see what's available. The downfall is... Well, it's a downfall and a positive. There's a lot of wide receivers on my list, but not many or none really are as young as Curtis Samuel, 24. Um, he's in the final year of the rookie contract, so he will need some kind of money here. You know, whether that's a franchise tag, you know, not very unlikely, but some sort of extension, maybe in the Robert Woods neighborhood, um, you know, around there. But this is a player who, who should be at least a WR2 on a roster, and he's not right now in Carolina. He's more of a depth guy a slot guy. So, you know, I think there are bigger skies for him. And if Carolina can find value in a trade, I do think that could happen. I mentioned Njoku, Cleveland. I still think it happens. Cleveland's got a lot of miles to feed, even though they're a bit banged up right now. That you know, barely squeezed out a win in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow looking outstanding today. But um, Baker's taking steps forward. It, you know, are you, are you selling to keep the, keep the band together? Or are you starting to sell because you got to break some things up this offseason? Either way, I think Njoku should go. He's one of those tight ends on this list. He's the youngest tight end on this list. Um, just seems like he and Evan Engram, who I'll mention in a second, just need a change of pace, change of scenery. So I do think he probably finds a new home. Why not Green Bay? You know, why not? Why not Green Bay? We'll see. Cincinnati, speaking of Joe Burrow and his weapons, um, I don't know, really know what the situation with A.J. Green is. You know, the franchise tag was questionable for me in the first place, but he's on that tag. It's obviously for fully guaranteed. He's got about nine and a half left on that tag, um, which is steep for a player who really, he's struggling to kind of find his way right now in Cincinnati, and it's not because Joe Burrow's not throwing the ball 50 times. He's certainly doing that. So I, uh, you know, is he one of those veterans, savvy veterans with experience that teams are dying to get, contenders are dying to get at the deadline? He's close to it. You know, he's close to it. But at 32 with his injury history and the way he looks on the field right now, if it takes a fourth-round pick to get A.J. Green out, wouldn't you rather just go two seconds or a first and a third and go all in for Julio Jones? That's kind of how I feel with this. Rather than let slow play it with A.J. Green, and I understand why you do that, I think I'd rather just go big for Julio Jones and go all in or maybe even try to get Amari Cooper out of Dallas, you know, another name that's not on this list, but i got to think he's probably, 
you know, with Dallas sliding heavily down after today's bad loss to Washington and, and their plethora of, of receivers and Lamb and Gallup behind him, you know, can somebody get Cooper out of Dallas right now? It's possible. Other name on this list for Cincinnati is Carlos Dunlap. It seems like a done deal. No pun intended. Uh, he was, he's been on the block. It seems like for three years now, release and trade. So I, just imagine he's going to be one of those cheaper edge guys that teams look for. Uh, it's about 4 million left on this season, totally non-guaranteed next year's next season. So it's a rental move at the end of the day. That's not going to cost you much in terms of draft picks. Cincinnati's not going to be looking to get much. They're going to just be looking to dump the salaries all they're doing. So I do think, uh, that's a definite move and there'll be teams like, uh, Seattle, maybe even Tennessee who want to jump on that for sure. Um, Here's the big one. I mentioned I didn't put Mari Cooper on this list, but he's on this list orally, right? I just said him out loud. If somebody wants to overpay but not pay as much as Julio Jones, which is what you'd be doing, I think Amari Cooper's that that 1B or that number 2. But Dallas has to do something. They are way too expensive, and they now have way too many holes to fill. I had Jane Slater on a couple of weeks ago. We talked all Dallas. We talked about how bad this offensive line is being ripped up in it with injuries. And a lot of these injuries may be long-term, very long-term. Two of them could be career-ending, uh, unfortunately speaking. So right now, this gigantic core that you've built properly, by the way, they built this offensive line first, they solidified it, then they brought Dak in, then they brought Zeke in, then they brought Cooper in. They did everything right. They had the foundation laid, and then they built up their weapons from there it's just not working out. I mean, Dak's injury, the offensive line injuries, it's not working out. And, you know, whether or not they can afford this and come back and try to be this exact same team next year, uh, as I mentioned with Jane, that just seems reckless to me, you know. You may have to move Zeke Elliott this offseason just to shake something up. Well, I'm kind of putting the card before the horse here and saying, look, you're here because your defense is this bad. It's bad. And you've got good players there, but something's not working, whether it's a coordinator situation, whether it's an effort situation, something's off. And I know you just paid this guy a ton of money, but I've got Demarcus Lawrence on this trade deadline block, and uh, it just seems like, A, cash out of Dallas's hands, right? If you can move this contract, it's not going to save you a ton of cap space, but it is going to save you a bunch of cash. And people you know, don't really think about it in those terms, but you, know, you don't want to be bleeding cash just to keep a core together, it's, it's not good business. Yes, you want to spend, of course. If you've got a team that's worth spending, then spend money. But um, something's completely went wrong this year. That defense was bad from day one, got worse, got worse, got worse. And Washington just put up 22 and change on them with, uh, you know, not a good team. <laughs> that's not a good team to be putting up 20-plus points on you. So this is a shakeup move. This is a cash-saving move. You know, like I said, it's not going to clear you cap space. In fact, it's going to lose you two million next year. So, you know, you'll be rolling over about a million. It's about a one million dollar loss to make this move, but you'll get draft picks for sure, maybe players, and and this that's possibly not a bad move, by the way. That's possibly not a bad move. I mean, if you can move Demarcus Lawrence to the Patriots, for instance, and pull a couple of those offensive linemen who are pretty good. I mean, that offensive line. You know how Belichick does this. He kind of. Uh, he undersells, underpays, undervalues players, but then they go out and do the job. That's a pretty decent one-two trade there to Marcus Lawrence for a, for a lineman and a pick. You know, that's a need for the Patriots, the edge rush. 
They generally don't like to hand out the big contracts, but they'll acquire them, right? You take the dead cap off those bonuses, we'll take the rest of that contract. They'll, the Patriots love to do that. So how about a DeMarcus Lawrence move to the Patriots, who have ample cap space next year and could have even more if they decide to dump a few contracts this, uh, this deadline as well. So just a thought. Dallas got to shake it up right now. Can't wait to the offseason. Can't wait to do it with Zeke. Can't let Dak walk. You know, but do it right now. Save some cash right now. Get your cap situation figured out, at least, or your plan for the cap going forward into 2021 right now. Understand what you're doing, where you are, um, and start with this move. And it's a big move. That's a big football move for Dallas, but I think they need the splash. Got a couple of Lions here, and you're going to hear a lot more, even though they just had a, a crazy comeback win here <laughs> with the Falcons. Uh, it, there's a lot of running backs. Teams need a lot of running backs. For some reason, Carrion Johnson just seems to be moving down that pedestal a little bit. He's only 23 years old. Uh, he's on a rookie contract with two with two years left. Okay, so he'd be about 500,000 this year, about 1.3 million next year, but that's not even guaranteed next year. You know, it's just the nature of his rookie contract. So there's almost no risk to bring him in in terms of contractual obligations. But he's young, and you know, maybe a change of scenery maybe a little bit more opportunity, and he's a heck of a player. So, again, you know, does Pittsburgh do this? Let me, let me tell you why. James Conner, expiring contract. Juju Smith-Schuster, expiring contract. I think they have the wide receiver situation pick, figured out with depth. Do they have the running back situation? How about bringing in a guy like Karrion Johnson right now, throw him as your number two for the rest of this season, see if he can be the guy that supplants Conner next year so you don't have to pay Conner. Possible. Very possible. Marvin Jones as well. Um, expiring contract, veteran, super reliable, super consistent. It's only about three and a half million remaining under that contract to move it. Um, I would imagine that Detroit wants to move on at this point, even though they're still kind of in the in the playoff hunt. Of course, we're only halfway through the season, but you know, there's a couple of more bodies on that on that roster that could I think could production replace him right now. So if there's a if there's a market for Marvin Jones and a and a later round pick, I think he pulled that trigger for sure. Speaking of wide receivers, I mentioned I had a lot of them, all right? We got a turn to Houston who got their butts kicked again today. I've got Brandon Cooks, and I've got Duke Johnson, the running back on this list for Houston. There's probably three, four other names that I can mention, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that probably have to go. I know J.J. Watt's been floated out there. I'm not doing it, okay? I'm not even going to talk about it, okay? <laughs> if it happens, I'll analyze it. I'll tell you the money situation, but I just don't think we get there, uh, you know, too many ties. Houston's already blown things up so much. Why would they go that route as well, even though there's obviously cash to be saved? Let's leave that alone for now. Brandon Cooks is a pretty easy trade for me. He's been actually okay. I mean, he's had obviously some weeks off for injury, but his production has been solid. It seems like he's a decent fit with Deshaun Watson, so I understand if they decide to keep him and see if there's more long-term prowess between the two, but $4 million left in that contract, it's basically a rental Next year's he's got three years, thirty nine million after this, completely non guaranteed, no dead cap. So, you're on a complete option year with Brandon Cooks, whether you're Houston or a new team. I imagine Houston just tries to get rid of him for a pick at this point, because they've done so much damage otherwise, and they're going downward, downward, downward. You got to just build up draft assets at this point. So, that's a name to watch: San Francisco, New Orleans, those kind of teams, of course. Um, Duke Johnson, sim- similar situation, but he's twenty seven. So. You know, are you looking at Duke Johnson to fill a gap immediately, or do you take a chance on Carrion Johnson at 23 years old uh, for for a more long-term opportunity? Different styles, different running backs, different ages. So, cash is going to be a little bit different. You're going to be you're going to take on two million for Duke Johnson. So, 
know, that may be too rich for a couple of teams out there. But, you know, maybe a depth guy for a team like Chicago who can't seem to get David Montgomery going enough here. Uh, you know, something like that heading forward. Minnesota. I could do the whole show in Minnesota again. <laughs> I did an open on them last week. I'll be brief here. Just know, visit spotright.com or open up, open up this article in the app. There's plenty of Vikings here, and I could have done two more. I, I could have put two more on here because I know that Harrison Smith, the defensive uh, back, and Irv Smith Jr., the young tight end, have both fielded calls. So verbally speaking, they're here as well. But here's the list of Minnesota Vikings I have here. Kyle Rudolph, veteran tight end. Riley Reif, veteran tackle. Anthony Harris, the safety. And Adam Thielen, the wide receiver. Okay, Adam Thielen is probably the least likely to go here. But I know for a fact teams are calling. And I know for a fact he'd bring in a heck of a draft, a draft asset pool. So at the end of the day, you know, if Minnesota loses another week here, another game, and they completely drop to the bottom of the division and they can continue to say they're not going to blow it up, but somebody calls and says, all right, we got to do this because – this is the contract situation. It's two and a half million for the rest of this year. Then it's four years and fifty-two million, with basically just next year guaranteed. It, it, it's extremely team-friendly for a player who, quite honestly, just hasn't. Has, he's been terribly used this year. You know, he's had his great years over the past two seasons, but whether it's an injury situation for him or just a bad scheme in Minnesota, something is is a little off kilter with uh, Adam Thielen and, and the Vikings. But do we put him, you know, you know, in one of these wide receiver need, needy teams and just let him go? Uh, I, could, I could absolutely see it. So if somebody wants to overpay this trade deadline, this might be the name to do it. You know, maybe not as big as a Julio Jones, although obviously we know where that stands. But this might be that player that Minnesota says, no, 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 he's not on the trade block until somebody calls and says, all right, well, now, now we got to listen. I think Riley Reif absolutely goes. Very limited options in terms of experience tackles. He's overpaid for Minnesota standards. Um, it's non-guaranteed next year at almost $12 million. I don't think anybody pays that, even the new team that would acquire him. But $3 million for the rest of this season, basically a nice rental option, whether that's a depth or a starting role for an offensive tackle. There's tons of teams that need offensive linemen out there. I'd put the Eagles at the top of this list, of course, and a couple of the teams out west as well. For certain, I think Riley Reif is on the move here. Anthony Harris is a maybe, although $6 million left on that franchise tag, and he hasn't been playing pretty good football, so he's a maybe for me. And I think Kyle Rudolph should go, but where does Kyle Rudolph stand in terms of Evan Engram and Golden t- and uh, d- you know David Njoku and a couple of these other tight ends that I haven't mentioned before? But you know where is he? You know does experience matter that much if he's that not as mobile and not as agile and not as able to catch the ball in the red zone anymore? Um, I just think maybe they're a little past the prime there. They probably should have moved on. As I mentioned last week, they probably fell in love with a few of these players for a little bit too long. Um, So, you know, I've got four to six players on Minnesota that could move, maybe should move. But I think at the end of the day, two go. And if somebody blows them away for Thielen, he goes as well. All right, here's the showstopper. I mentioned New England uh, is getting their butts handed to them again here. And the division appears to be slipping away slowly. I mean, they're certainly not out of uh, 
out of the realm here. Albert Breer just tweeted, the 49ers have scored five times and Cam Newton has completed six passes. So that's pretty much all I need to know about how this game is going without looking at it. Um, look, we, we, we questioned this before the year. You know, Brady out, what, the, what does that mean? What does Brady gone mean to the Patriots? Does it mean we're going to push ahead? Our system will work. We're just going to drop the next man in and go. It's not working. You know, and they, and they, they, got, they, they put a, a man there that I didn't think would ever get there. Right? I thought for sure this was going to be Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham or one of those journeyman veterans who they were just going to cheaply pay to drop in. Well, they cheaply paid, but they got an, a former MVP. And some, either something's not right with Cam or this team who had, you know, a half dozen players opt out, by the way. So let's not, let's not, you know, just say this is a disaster. Tom Brady's gone and the Patriots suck. We can't say that, okay? They've had pretty much everything that could go wrong, go wrong for a football team leading into 2020. And, uh, you know, Nikhil Harry injured again. Ver- veritable bust in terms of first-round picks. His counterpart at running back, Sonny Michel, actually had a couple of games that looked decent this year. But then there was an injury. Now he's on the COVID list. Where does Sonny Michel stand? I think he stands on the trade block. Okay? He's 25. He's got some, some years left on him. He's got two years in this rookie contract left. Um, it's cheap. It's like 700000 the rest of this year, and it's, it's 1.7-ish million next year. Okay? So it's perfect running back money for a player with a, with a fairly high ceiling. This is a move the Patriots make, whether it's the Brady era or not the Brady era. My guess is they're not exactly tanking, right, for the next eight weeks, but they've got cap space. Let's get more, and maybe let's acquire players, a la Demarcus Lawrence, that other teams are just dying to offload but still have a ton of value. Um, you know, are they in on Evan Engram? I'd say yes. Are they in on Demarcus Lawrence? I'd say yes. Are they thinking about Adam Thielen in Minnesota? I'd say absolutely yes to replace Julian Edelman, who is done. I mean, he's done. Um, so if you're going to rebuild on the fly, if you're going to use 2020 and the COVID revenue situation as the team that has cap space in a year where the cap is dropping and teams can't afford their players, if you're going to abuse that, and the Patriots, I think, will try to, that means they're not tanking. They're just shedding the, the trim so that they can bring in more substance immediately. Immediately which is what they're going to try to do. So if Sony Michelle doesn't belong here next year, get him out now. I'm going to say the same thing about this guy, and this is why. The name is Stefan Gilmore. I understand he was the defensive player of the year. I understand he's 30. I understand he's probably the third best cornerback in all of football right now. Number one, he hasn't played like that. There's been a lot of defensive changes and downfalls for New England. But number two, here's the contract situation. He's got about $8 million left at the deadline. Uh, so that's what a team would take on. Next year, the final year of his contract, it's o- he's only slated to make $7.5 million cash. There's no chance that the Defensive Player of the Year in 2019 is going to settle for $7.5 million, whether it's New England, whether it's anywhere. So there's a negotiation coming with Stefan Gilmore, and whether that's sit down with New England and bang out a new deal, which doesn't seem likely. That, that's not something Bill Belichick really ever does is extend somebody twice. Not, you know, not named Tom Brady. Um, so at some point, Stefan Gilmer is going to walk, whether it's this, this trade deadline after the season, you know, who knows, next summer, whatever. So why not now? 
Why not right now? I mean, get him with as much contract, much term as, as possible left on this contract. Let's move him now. Get yourself a player. You tell me the Dallas Cowboys wouldn't take Stephon Gilmore? I, I think they would. I don't know if they could pay him. They paid everybody else. But, you know, there are teams right now that need a number one quarterback, a legitimate number one quarterback. He still is. He's, it's a down year. It's a weird year in New England. He's going to need to be paid. So it's got to be a team that can that can put a contract, you know, a Jalen Ramsey-type contract on their books. But I don't think New England's going to be that team. So he's going to be my featured trade candidate right now. He's, he gets the picture at the top of the article right now, guys, all right? Because he's that good of a player, age 30, and I think there's a really good chance he's gone. I, I really do. I think I think his name picks up so much steam this week because of this New England blowout right now and because of everything I just said. There's no way he's staying on this contract after this year. So either they're going to bend or they're going to break, and I think breaking is the, is the better plan for New England. It's the better plan. So keep an eye on the Patriots coming in and going out, buyers and sellers in the next week or so. I'm going to gloss over the Saints um, as sellers. Look, Florio and a bunch of these people put out the Michael Thomas situation. I get it. We've seen this happen, right, where there's been weird stories, the, 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 the internal fines and suspensions and things like that, and then, of course, some weird injuries, like you know, multiple injuries in the back-to-back weeks, things like that. It, it definitely smells like something else is happening behind the scenes that we don't know about, and that could lead to a trade. You know, this was kind of the Earl Thomas situation, almost exactly, right? Punched a player, the locker room turned on him, we heard sniffs of him being released or traded, and then boom, in the middle of the day, he was out. Um, similar to Le'Veon Bell, but without the violence, of course. I don't know. I, it would be, it would be from a football standpoint and a financial standpoint, it'd be tough to see him go. They're going to lose cap to trade Michael Thomas right now. So if it's going to happen, it probably doesn't happen until either next June or next trade deadline, in my opinion. But if it's bad, I mean, if it's ugly inside that locker room and Thomas is the catalyst for it, then they're just going to do it. I mean, teams don't care about dead cap anymore. It's really just me and a couple bunch of other people on Twitter. So um, I just want you to know from a contract standpoint, doesn't make any sense. One more year away from being ready for this, but that didn't stop Antonio Brown from being punted and, and so forth. Um, but he's on the list because it's, you know, much like, like I said, Florio and those guys out there saying things, it smells bad to me too. So he's at least a, a notable candidate. I've mentioned the Giants. You know, they have made a couple of moves already. They've got three players here who could help teams, really help teams. Delvin Tomlinson, the defensive tackle, he's going to have multiple suitors in my opinion. And it's really about, A, do, they, do the Giants get a good enough offer to really listen? Because I think this is a player they want to keep. This seems like he's the right fit for this defense. He's cheap, you know, even though it's an expiring contract. You know, you're going to be replacing Leonard Williams. There's no chance in heck they keep him. Um, you don't save that much to move on from him right now, so it'd really be about what you get back. And that that's where it's intriguing. If Buffalo wants to give up, you know, an, an overpay draft pick to bring in Delvin Tomlinson and shore up that run game, which absolutely needs to happen, then the Giants probably have to pull that trigger. But otherwise, I think they really like him a lot. I think Golden Tate for sure goes. He's going to be one of those cheaper wide receiver options to one of those teams I've mentioned, San Francisco, New Orleans, blah, blah, blah. Um, so for sure look look for him to go. He's got, you know, $4 million left this year and then $14.5 million completely non-guaranteed after this. So, again, basically a rental. Evan Engram, I've mentioned a bunch of times here. I think he's the second best tight end on this list. 
He's only 26 years old. He has a, about a million left this year, and then that fifth-year option will become guaranteed next March. So there's a little bit of a risk in bringing him in this year, having him get hurt, and then that thing locks in. And if you don't, you don't want a $6 million tight end you know, that, you, that you paid for in the draft, in the trade deadline. But um, if you're needing to upgrade the position, that's a guy I'm looking at. All right. He's, I know he's dropping balls and he and Daniel Jones don't seem to be on the same page a lot, but change of pace, change of scenery. It's done wonders for people in the past. Carolina, I'm looking at you, uh, Seattle, for sure. You know, there are, there are teams out there that could do this. So keep an eye there. And those jets who got their butts kicked again today by a bunch of field goals from the bills. They're all in six. They're going backwards. I don't think Sam Darnold's on this trade block. It makes no sense to trade Sam Darnold. Unless somebody blows you away, which is never going to happen because Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, these players are all going to be available. Garoppolo, you know, Cam Newton, who knows? Dak. So, you know, it's Darnold's going to be way down that list. And he's cost controlled for two more years, minimum, plus the fifth year. So you, you just don't do it. You keep him around. And if, and if you can upgrade him, right, if you get Trevor Lawrence or if Matthew Stafford wants to come play for the Jets next year, you do it. And you make him a fully guaranteed but cost controlled backup. I get all the, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see moving Sam Darnold in any breath. The guy that I think is going to be considered because of the calls coming in is defensive tackle Quinnen Williams, who's a monster. He's a great player. He's underperformed a little bit in his first year. He's in year two of a rookie contract that's very nicely controlled, of course. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna punt on some dead cap to move on from him right now, but that. A, means nothing to the Jets who have the space, and B, it's all about acquiring major draft picks, especially if you're trying to get up to that number one pick for Trevor Lawrence. So I, uh, you know, they moved on from Jamal Adams. That was the probably their best offensive defensive player. C.J. Mosley comes back. He's fully guaranteed and way overpriced in the inside linebacker role next year. And then I'd put Quinn Williams as probably your third best defensive player on this entire team right now. So, you know, are you going to do that to your football team in 2021? Um, and to me, the only answer is I had to, the trade was too good. Similar with Jamal Adams had to, the trade was too good. So keep an eye there. The Jets may not be done yet on this trade deadline. All right, moving along. I mentioned Zach Ertz not getting traded, going to be on the IR through the deadline. So that's a move they will not make. Boy, Howie Roseman loves these deadlines though. He's very, very smart either at this deadline to start that league year, pretty much at any point in time, Howie Roseman will pull triggers. So I, uh, I don't know how this would happen because he's just been a shell of himself for the past three seasons, ever since he locked in that extension. But it just seems and smells and and sounds like Elshon Jeffrey is going to get traded. And I I don't know if Philadelphia is going to have to restructure and eat some more of this salary or, you know, are they going to be trading a draft pick with Elshon Jeffrey? Is somebody going to buy a draft pick from the Eagles in order to take on the Elshon Jeffrey contract? Very possible. Very, very possible. Uh, Scott and I talked about that last week a little bit, about if there would be a team that could do this. This is the right player. This is the guy that the Eagles absolutely have to get off their books, and they may have to throw in a decent draft pick to do it. So keep an eye on that one for sure. Not the case. Another wide receiver. I told you there was a bunch. Dante Pettis, he's completely fallen out of favor in San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan's system appears too complicated for him. Or... You know, they're just not jiving. Something's off there. He's a talented dude, can fly, can run, can catch, 
just can't put it all together in San Francisco right now. He's cost controlled. He's very, very cost controlled. So 500 and change this year and non-guaranteed 1.3 million next year. That's it. That's all it takes. So you, know, you want to throw a late round pick to pull in a guy like that and see if you can make him a WR3 somewhere. I think that makes a lot of sense. And then we get to Washington, who had a nice win today against Dallas, but uh, I don't think there's, you know, a string of wins in them. So the two guys I have here are edge rushers. One is young, one is not young. One has been there forever, and Ryan Kerrigan. And uh, just seems in a small percentage J.J. Watt kind of way that Ryan Kerrigan wants to be in, with his current team for, the, for his entire career and won't want to get traded. And I think Daniel Slander can honor that. And, you know, there's a little bit something to that. It's Like I said, it's not a team that's really contending, even though they, they won a good game today. Um, but you can do this. You can keep Kerrigan on his $6 million left. And you can pr- try to trade Ryan Anderson, who's kind of his, his protege on the other side of it. Um, 26 years old, also on an expiring, expiring contract. So you know, you're going to have to pay either way if you're the expiring team. You're renting a player. So you, do you want to rent the older one or the younger one? And which, in terms of Washington, is going to get you more back? So I think Kerrigan stays. And Anderson, there's a good chance he goes. And te- you know, there's every team, every contender wants depth at the, uh, on the edge this time of year. So of course there's going to be some calls for him. So that's the list. And you know, there's going to be a dozen more names that pop up here this week, of course, as we get closer to that November 3rd deadline, you know, I'm sure many of these names made you cringe. (laughs) Okay. Some of these names made you gloss over and pound your beer against your head. But this is, uh, this is where I stand right now in terms of this trade deadline. It's completely overblown. Of course, you know, we never have deadlines that look this thoroughly built with high, with big time names, but I'm not going to talk about the smaller names. I'm going to talk about the big names and maybe two or three of these actually stick. I do think there's probably six or seven legitimate moves to be made here. Whether or not they happen is obviously up to the semantics of, and the GMs out there, but keep an eye on the Patriots. That's, that's the takeaway. Keep an eye on the, on the Eagles and the Patriots and the bears probably have to do something. So focus on those teams. I would imagine, um, to see where we are and, uh, Let's have some fun, right? Week eight coming up, halfway through the season next next week, all things considered, knock on wood. You can hear me doing that here. We've got game five of the World Series tonight. I will be sitting down to that in just a few moments. We'll be talking about that, of course, in our next show. As We may have a World Series wrapped, a Major League Baseball season wrapped up, and we'll be quickly moving to the offseason as that, bringing Cousin Dan for a little bit more of that as well. Keep up with your week seven analysis on The Athletic and check out theathletic.com slash spot track, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for 40% off going forward into 2021. My name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast.